We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The names behind the numbers. The stories behind the names. This is the Her Hoop Stats Podcast with John Little. They are wearing Breonna Taylor's name on the back of their jersey. They do have a moment of reflection before every game. They are staying organized and committed and growing their platform so that people are aware. And you could say that you weren't aware before, but now you are aware. The biggest newsmakers, the best storytellers, the Her Hoop Stats Podcast. Here's your host, John Little. Welcome into the Her Hoop Stats Podcast. I'm your host, John Little. Thank you so much for being here. Missed you the last couple weeks. So sorry about that. Just, you know, life getting in the way. But we are back. We are ready for the WNBA playoffs. Got a great show for you today, talking to Debbie Antonelli. And then coming up next week, Dan Hughes, the head coach of the Seattle Storm, will join us after his Storm, who earned that double bye, will uh, be cranking up the playoffs here in short order. And we will talk to him a little bit next week. And you want to make sure that you know when these come out. So go ahead and subscribe wherever your favorite place is to get podcasts, and we always appreciate that rating and that review. I really could not believe the work the WNBA did to get all these games on TV in some way, most of them on national TV, uh, some of them on ABC, some on CBS, CBS Sports Network, and the like. It was just a great showing during the regular season, and they wouldn't have been able to do that without broadcasters, and specifically six broadcasters, three on the play-by-play side, three on the color side, that did the brunt of the work, especially during the week for those uh, non-ESPN-type games. And we're speaking to one of those today in the great Debbie Antonelli. And she's been on the podcast before, but we had a lot to talk to her about when it comes to how she was able to be more efficient this year when covering games, because she had to do 
a ton of them. I don't know what the last number was, but I saw Sean Salisbury say he did 40. So it may be something like 40 games for Debbie as well. I wouldn't be surprised if it was right around that area. So we talked to Debbie about the great job that she did over the course of this summer, these uh, last couple months doing it remotely, and also uh, what she thought of the season and who she thinks her surprise team is, her MVP, most improved player, things like that. A lot to talk about with the great Debbie Antonelli. Hey, John, thank you so much for uh, inviting me. I'm looking forward to it. Well, it's been an eventful last couple months for sure, and uh, especially for basically, you know, and there are a few more with ESPN as well, of course, uh, the the well-known broadcast team there. But for six broadcasters that have been incredibly busy from home this summer uh, over these last couple of months doing WNBA games, and, and you're one of those, um, what kind of honor has it been for you to be part of this bubble situation, this wobble? just from a distance. It has been amazing. Um, I've been a part of the WNBA calling games for Charlotte Sting and for the Indiana Fever since the inception of the league. And to be able to stay in the league for a 24th year and be able to call the game professionally for me, this is actually 26 consecutive years because I did the ABL before the WNBA. So to be able to call the games and to be able to be a part of basketball at this level uh, is really special to me. And I'm so thankful for the opportunity. Well, you're an obvious choice, of course, but I'm sure there was more to it this year than just, hey, Debbie, do you want to do this? What was, um, <laughs> you know, what were the, uh, you know, the, the connectivity issues and things like that, just trying to get yourself set up to do something like this remotely? Well, this is my 33rd year on the air, and I never believed we'd ever have an opportunity to call games from home. This has been an incredible experience. It's been awesome. Uh, it has changed um, the efficiency with which I think I work with, and it, all around, it's just been a great experience. Uh, the setup kit that Ross Productions put together and designed, I must I must say, by a young NC State engineer uh, who did a terrific job designing uh, our home kit. And uh, NBA TV called and said, "Hey, you know, we've we've got this opportunity to do all these games. Would you be interested?" And initially, they were considering sending us to the bubble, and then they changed their mind and decided we would try it from home. And it's worked out great. I mean, I have knock on wood. You know, it's it's been really good. Um, the uh, the setup is awesome. I've taken over one room in my house, and I've just made it like my home studio. Yeah, we've seen that, and it's it's kind of fun to get that look into it. I wondered sometimes whether or not they would uh, allude to you guys and, and really focus in on the broadcasters not being there, but it's it's something that everybody's been very upfront about, and it's just kind of a, a sense of the, the pandemic we're in and just kind of adds an extra layer uh, to everything. What do you think about just drawing the curtain back a little bit, letting people into your home and letting them know they're kind of in on the secret with you that that you're not there broadcasting i think it's pretty obvious that people knew from the beginning that we weren't on site and from being at home and being able to see my partner in a little box on the computer screen helps tremendously just for non-verbal cues and for body language cues and those things are important in a broadcast when you're working with a partner and so that has has made it feel like you're sitting next to that person in, in, a, in a lot of ways. Um, but in my house, 
you know, uh, I, I've often referred to my home as a train station or a train wreck. You know, there's a lot going on here. And uh, the guys have my schedule. It's on the kitchen. Uh, it's on one of the cabinets. And I have a sign outside the door. And it just basically says I'm on the air. And here's a list of things that I prefer that you do not do while I'm on the air. <laughs> and and they have been great. Um, it's been quiet. Uh, they've left me alone. And uh, it's, it's worked out really well, John. I mean, it, the, uh, audio machine and the audio box that I have in front of me, the talk back box, if you will, gives me direct communication to my producer who's in a truck outside the bubble. I have, um, all this stuff connected to a MacBook pro and it's connected to my television and I have a stats monitor that I use. And, uh, it, it's just been amazing how seamless it seems. I know there's so much hard work behind the scenes. It's been quite a schedule. I mean, I've had a game just about every night, and uh, it, it's it's awesome. I, I love it. I love the prep. The one part about it that is um, a part that I miss because I like going to practice and I like interacting with the players and coaches, I miss that part of it. But the WNBA has solved that with a bunch of Zoom calls that we have on game day. After shoot-around, there's Zooms. Before the game, the coaches is available on a Zoom, and then there's a post-game Zoom, and all of that information lives on the content network under the NBA and WNBA umbrella. So it, it's really been great. I want to dive into a couple of things you said. First of all, I, I'm proud of your uh, kids for leaving you alone, because when I was broadcasting from home, doing my uh, my daily <laughs> show from home uh, here at the radio station, it was always really tough for my kids not to come in the door. It was always a big temptation. So first of all, <laughs> shout out to your kids for doing that. Uh, second of all, um, it, you said it's it's helped you I forget the word you use, but in some way, be more efficient or more effective in how you prepare and get ready for games. Can you go into that just a little bit more and what you've tried to emphasize in just having less time between games and having pretty much a game every night? I feel like my schedule, the way it's always been is, you know, there's travel involved and there's going to practice and shoot around and you're trying to get all your information put together. And I sit at my desk and or my table which actually has skirting on it like it would if i was sitting courtside which i added as a, just a little personal touch just so i could feel like i was you know at at the game uh, i have been able to condense all that information because we can't travel and it's made me more efficient because when i sit down i'm preparing for a game and i've been able to take all the resource and all the information all the film and everything that we do without trying to watch film on an airplane or film in, a, in an airport or trying to worry about the hotel or trying to worry about getting something to eat. You know, all those things have that time's been taken away. And I just feel like I've been more productive, more efficient, more able to spend time on the basketball part of it and not the other things that come with it. When you guys are doing a broadcast, there is a slight delay to the viewer as far as uh, between the audio and the video matching up. And it's not because, you know, you guys are reacting late. You're reacting in real time as you see it. But, the you know, the, the audio gets there a little bit late. Is there any adjustment that you guys have had to make, uh, whether the, the partners or you were talking about just trying to have that good communication back and forth, just considering the delay, has that affected you on your end at all? It's not affected me at all because, like you said, we see it in real time. If there's a delay, it's very, very subtle on my end. Um, and I don't think I've even felt like there's a delay or experienced it at all. I, I feel like we're calling the game. We're watching it on the monitor. Uh, there's a couple of times that doing games from home, I've caught myself saying the wrong player's name, 
just because they look the same from a distance and the camera angle. Obviously, there's not a lot of close-ups. If we were sitting courtside, I don't anticipate that I would make that mistake in misidentifying a player. But every time uh, I have misidentified, I corrected it right away. That's where I kind of feel like maybe somebody kind of give us a free pass because there are some players that do look very similar in their, their hairstyle or if you can't see their number. And you know the number is an issue in the WNBA because their numbers are only on the back of the jersey or on the some uh, they have it on the shorts as well. So No, you're exactly right. And even sitting courtside before at a WNBA game, I've had trouble, you know, at least for a moment there, at, you know, like, oh, is that the right number? Because you just you can't always see the number. So, yeah, you're yeah. always going off look. And so that is um, uh, no, you're forgiven. You're absolutely forgiven. I think that uh, everybody's done uh, just uh, about as awesome a job as you possibly could. Is, is it fun kind of getting to work with with different pairings on a night-to-night basis? I mean, I worked with most of the games I've done was with Tiffany Green, but Tiffany Green has sort of taken herself on maternity leave because she and her husband are expecting their second child. So she was done by September 1. So I have had a couple of different partners since then, and it's fine with me. I mean, I'm... I mean, I feel like I've been doing this for such a long time. As long as we keep it conversational, uh, I, I always say play-by-play is who and what, and I'm going to tell you how and why. And as long as you understand and we keep those lines pretty clear, I think we do. And um, I think the most important thing is we don't have to over-talk. I mean, people at home realize that we are at home, that we're not in the same place. I'd like to think we get somewhat of a free pass on some of that. Some people are a little less forgiving than you are, John. But um, I think uh, overall, you know, the thing that's so impressive to me is the product is so good. So, uh, I mean, when you're watching these players and set aside the fact that they're playing every other day and that there's uh, the Groundhog Day effect of the grind of this time you've got practice, this time you've got testing, this time you can get in the weight room, this is when you can eat, you know, they, they have quite a incredible regiment that they have to follow plus the the strain and the stress um of the players dealing with all of the social injustice and the justice movement that they've created or the social justice council or all the different player-led initiatives that have taken place black lives matter say her name you know all those things are so important and the players have have it's been stressful for them because they've really used a lot of their energy and spent their time their money and uh and trying to help make this country a better place and so they should be applauded for that because they're certainly doing their part. Oh, my gosh. I, that's absolutely true. And uh, just it amazes me what they've gone through with all those things you just mentioned while also uprooting their lives and living maybe the most unique, you know, three months of their life here, um, you know, in in isolation. It, it must just be an an absolute mind warp for them. And then not only that, but then physically as well. Um, the every other day, do you feel like that's a reason that it feels like we've seen some more injuries this year? Yeah, I, I think we always have injuries. I think it just um, is amplified inside the bubble because they're playing so much. And they're play- there's three games a day, except for what would typically usually be a Monday where they would have a usually have a day off. But um, I, I think it's all about the attitude, right? Is this something that you have to do or is this something that you get to do? And I think for the most part, the players realize there's only 144 spots and most of them use the time 
during uh, the pandemic prior to getting into the bubble to getting themselves in the very best shape that they could get in. That's why you see some players like, I mean, I just want to point out like Skylar Diggins Smith has been on my mind recently just because I'm watching her play and she has gotten better and gotten more comfortable in Phoenix and playing in their system. She's been counted on to do more. She may have just played her way onto the Olympic team. I mean, I, I don't know. She may have, she's certainly a player that's in the mix that's being considered for that. Um, but then there, you know, when you have the right attitude and you take the right uh, ingredients with you with that attitude, then I, I think that's part of the reason why our play is so good. I'll go back to last year. Most of the things that you heard the players complaining about as a group was travel, the travel issues that they had, the the way they had to travel. And, you know, Neka Gumake and the executive council creating uh, along with the players association, that new CBA has taken some of the quality of life issues and, and will change that for some of them. But, you know, this is a once in a lifetime experience. So for me, this might be a once in a lifetime experience for me too. I am thrilled every day that I get to put the headset on, which is the same headset I would put on if I was sitting courtside and getting to call WNBA games. So it's not something that I have to do. It's something that I get to do. And I am really excited about it. Well, we can always tell that, Debbie, when you open your mouth and talk about uh, whether it be uh, the WNBA or or the college game as well. So let's get your thoughts on uh, some of the teams play and, and where they are basically heading into the, the playoffs here. Is there one team that has exceeded your expectations above the rest? You know, I went back yesterday and I was looking at my initial power poll and I was trying to figure out, you know, um, where's a team that I thought, at the beginning of the season before we played, did I think that they would be where they are? Are they in a better position? And actually the team to me that's in a better position than I thought is Minnesota. Now they still, um, I had them put, I had them at sixth in my power pole to start the season and they're going to be right in that four, five, six range. But I think Cheryl Reeve has done a fantastic job. I mean, I could go right through every single franchise, John, and tell you why I think they all have had, incredible seasons and why they've done well but I think um, you know you've got to figure out how to change the way you play Sandy Brondello had to change the way they played when Brittany Griner went out and they actually are playing better you know Bill Lambeer uh, had to sort of not necessarily change the way they play but Asia Wilson certainly giving more space to operate with her skill set and the face-up game that she worked on and added during her quarantine time while she was in Vegas waiting for the bubble to to be created um you know, so I think probably to answer your question, I think Minnesota is probably a little bit better than I thought they would be. And I think Cheryl Reeve has done a really good job. Is is the main part of that just the gigantic question mark that we thought we had um, for them at, at the point guard spot and the way Dangerfield has um, done a nice job filling that? Or is there another reason you think um, for them exceeding expectations? Well, I'm a big fan of Nafisa Collier, so I knew she would have a big year. But it was the question mark for me was who was going to make a shot for them. Like I, I didn't know who they had that was going to be able to make a shot. We didn't know that Bridget Carlton was going to be able to play as many minutes and do what she's able to do. She was given an opportunity and she stepped up. We didn't know that Crystal Dangerfield, you know, picked in the second round, was actually going to get any playing time at all. And she has really played like the rookie of the year. She's been outstanding. And when you lose uh, Sylvia Fowles and you have to sort of change the way you play. Um, and, and it speaks to, you know, John, I mean, you know, my passion's about offense. Offense basically is about guard play to me. Guards got to play well. 
when you don't have good guard play, it makes the rest of it suspect. But Minnesota has had good guard play and getting Odyssey Sims back, working her way in because we didn't know whether she would be able to contribute or not after having her baby. Um, So, I mean, that's one team that has an incredible story about how they've come about playing so well and pulling together and doing what they've needed to do to win. How tough of a race do you think this will be for the MVP as far as just (laughs) the tight for the voting? Because I hear a big, huge push for Candace Parker, you know, to get talked about as MVP. And her all-around game has been just incredible. But uh, throwing in Parker, Stewie, Asia Wilson, who has the edge for you and why? Those three are certainly splitting hairs between the three of them. They're all outstanding. They've all had great years. They all have similar numbers. Uh, they they all play defense. They all rebound. I mean, they, there's it really comes down to, for me, and, and my vote is due on Sunday. So I've got to decide between now and Sunday. So if I was to give you today, like the midseason was Asia Wilson. Um, today is probably Asia Wilson. Uh, but I really think it's a close race, and it it might be the toughest MVP race the WNBA has ever seen. I don't remember having three players playing at the top of their game like this uh, and in the conversation with, on all winning teams that have a chance to win the championship. Is it I, – I don't want to put words in your mouth at all, but uh, as far as uh, – why Asia would get that little bit of a boost. I mean, she's had those individual performances this year where she's really just stood out and put the team on her back in a couple games where they felt like they were out of it and um, let them back to win, number one. Number two, they're, you know, have a terrific record. They're right up there for a, you know, a double bye. And then, you know, just her, her numbers are great. But what what is it that for you that pushes Asia just a little bit above the rest at this point? I think if you take her out of that team, I don't know if they can win as much as they have. And I think if you take Parker out, I think there's enough talent there with some other players around Candace Parker that they they could still win. They're, they are really much better on the perimeter than people think. You know, with their with not just with Chelsea Gray and and not just with Neko Gumake, but Brittany Sykes has had an incredible year. Uh, she has added a lot to what they do. So I think they could still win, and I think Seattle could still win if you took Brianna Stewart out with the talent that they have. Jewel Lloyd has played great. When Sue Bird's healthy, they're a totally different look. Natasha Howard has changed her role, but we know last year her numbers were significantly different because Brianna Stewart wasn't there. So I think there there's more depth there. But I think if you took Asia out of Vegas's team, I'm not sure that they could win like they've won. We're speaking with Debbie Antonelli, and I, I think that's uh, just a, a great way to put it uh, there, Debbie. You said that uh, Dangerfield is your pick, uh, or at least I, it sounded like uh, she's probably the rookie of the year for you. Is that uh, where you're leaning? Yes, that is exactly right. You know, what What do you think that we didn't know about Crystal Dangerfield? I, I mean, obviously she plays at a, a high-powered, you know, on national TV all the time. It's Everybody knows who she is. But what did we forget uh, about her leading into this year? Or was it just simply the, the fact that she's a second-round pick, that she kind of got overlooked as far as being a possible Rookie of the Year candidate? You know what, John? I think mainly it was style of play. Um, you know, Minnesota's a very heavy two-man pick-and-roll, clear out one side, isolation. Um, they do a lot of – they run a lot of different stuff than what UConn runs. And so she hadn't played in that system. 
That doesn't mean that she's not capable of playing in it. It just means we hadn't seen it before. The thing about Connecticut players that I always say when, when they come from UConn, they're tough, they're competitive, and they know how to play. And even though Crystal didn't play in a lot of ball screen action, we can see that she's capable of doing it. She's been terrific. I mean, that's part of the reason why she's probably going to be the rookie of the year uh, because of what she's been able to do. You already talked about uh, Skylar Diggins-Smith is really turning it on here. What about most improved player? I, I feel like there are several you know, different candidates out there. Who stands out to you there? I think there's a couple of players. Um, Aisha Hines-Allen stands out to me. Uh, Cheyenne Parker in Chicago I don't think is getting enough play for uh, an award like this. She certainly stands out to me. But I think Benaja Laney, not only is she maybe the most improved, she might be the best story, uh, along with Jackie Gemelos. They are um, two of the great stories. And I think Laney probably is the most improved player. I think going from not being uh, on a roster to being picked up in Atlanta and being expected to play on the defensive end and not knowing what she could do offensively. I watched her in Indiana last year, and I know – um, she struggled a little bit scoring the basketball, but she has really come in, in shape. She was ready. She has a terrific attitude. She's an a incredible teammate, and that's part of the reason why I think she's had the most success this season as the most improved player. But there's a lot of choices there because the league is, I'm telling you, John, the talent in the league and the young talent in the league is really good. Oh, I know. And you've got players that, you know, have to sit out of here because they're just not in a great situation and they get cut late in the year and they don't or or an injury situation or something like that. Uh, I, I agree with you. I You know, while the MVP race is going to get the most uh, the, the biggest eyes, I, I don't know, the, the most improved players, you, that's where you've got the most true candidates. You could almost put together a, a first team and a second team of most improved players right. this year. Exactly. And it's great to see those stories, uh, you know, that, um, you know, if we wouldn't have had a season this year, uh, you know, these stories wouldn't have gotten told. And you've already talked about it a, a little bit, but considering what the players have done, truly taking the focus away from themselves and putting it on, say, her name, if they wouldn't have played this year, it doesn't get nearly as much attention. What do you think about the way that the WNBA has followed through this year and and used their platform to the best of their ability? First class comes to mind. Uh, is one of the first things I think about when, I, when I'm thinking about 144 players, organized, passionate, educated, energized, and coming together to amplify their voices for causes that, that are near and dear to their heart that they desperately care about. And that is something that I think the WNBA players have always done, but it's magnified under this bubble because – they are wearing Breonna Taylor's name on the back of their jersey. They do have a moment of reflection before every game. Uh, they are staying organized and committed and growing their platform so that people are aware. And you could say that you weren't aware before, but now you are aware. And we have all taken the time to get educated. And it leads to the action item, which is voting and how important your voice is and having a say and understanding that you have to vote because that's how you are going to help make a change. And they care deeply about the country. They care about their own communities. And they're trying to do what they can to make this season bigger than basketball, making it more than just the game. And I, I think they've done a uh, first-class job of doing that. 
I'm absolutely in awe as well. And uh, I, I just think that they're the ones leading the way in the sports world. And, you know, I, I'm so glad that the NBA is, has come along as well. But there's there's no doubt that the WNBA was, was first on the scene with all this. And uh, they should be recognized uh, for such as well. Uh, Debbie, you were just... Um, you know, a wonderful conversation as always. Really appreciate your insight as we wind down the regular season, head toward the playoffs in Bradenton. You've done a great job, and it's always brings a smile to my face to uh, get to hear you on the call. So, thank you so much. Well, John, thank you so much for giving me a time to talk about the the women's game and to talk about the WNBA and how much love and respect there is for those players and how hard they've worked to put the product on the floor, but also to use their voices collectively to make a difference in our world, which is first class. And um, thank you for everything that you do to help promote our game as well. That's Debbie Antonelli here on the Her Hoop Stats podcast. Again, I appreciate her time. And man, uh, just, you know, it just doesn't even dawn on you when you're talking to her that you're like, man, over 30 years, she has been a voice for women's basketball um, every year of the WNBA now, and even before that with women's college basketball. Uh, she's one of the most steady voices in our sport, and I just can't believe how accessible she is, and that she would give us so much of her time. Thank you so much, Debbie. Great job this year. A reminder, quickly, just rate and review the podcast whenever you get a chance. Coming up next week, we're going to visit with Dan Hughes, the head coach of the Seattle Storm, from afar this year, of course, uh, with uh, everything going on with COVID-19, but a really interesting conversation uh, with Coach Hughes is coming up as well. The producer of the Her Hoop Stats podcast is Aaron Barzilai, also the music by Jared Deck, Jared deckmusic.com and our voice is Susie Solis. I'm your host John Little reminding you at the Her Hoop Stats podcast we're unlocking better insight about the women's game. Her Hoop Stats.